You're listening to Conspiracy, Fears, and Mystery. Due to the graphic nature of this content, listener discretion is advised. What's going on, yo? Welcome back, Conspiracy Fears and Mysteries. And my second time recording this podcast because it's never a perfect recording. It is never going to be. Just sit down, start recording like you plan. Something always goes wrong. Family coming in and out. Wife decides, not decides, but wanted had to take the dog to the vet. Making noise. Oh, I'll be back. The son wants to bust in in the middle of a recording and ask for bacon and eggs. Oh. So anyway. I start over, man. And before I even start, the coronavirus, guys, it's here. But my conspiracy side, a little bit of me wants to say, you know, trying to get money out of people. that You scare them. People spend money when they're scared. Oh, we need this. We need that. We need this. We need that. We need this. We need that. People spend money. Those uh, big pharmaceuticals and all these people get money also from the government to do research, quote-unquote, and whatever, and yada, yada, yada. I'm not saying it's not real. Obviously, people have died. Do they care? I don't think they do. I think that to them, it is worth, it is, you know, the collateral damage, let people die and shit. A couple people just to put the scare out there, you know, and they're probably in cahoots with the Chinese. I don't know. Who knows, man? It could be anything. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? I don't know. It could be, you know, I live in a bubble, you know what I mean? I don't, it's not just what the media tells me, definitely not what the media tells me. You know, I'm not going to just sit there and believe that shit. You know what I mean? What the, if there's one, if there's one source I don't believe, it's just the news outlets. That's the worst place to get your news, is the news outlets. You know, all, like, Facebook posts are probably not good too, but I'd rather, I don't know, I'd rather do your own research, put things together yourself. If you could go, and research stuff and go to whatever it is you're trying to find out. Um, actually, it's more accurate when people post videos of things that they see and whatever or, you know, they're experiencing. Not always true, but it's more accurate in the news, I swear, because the news, I, I feel like they're just, in all news, they'll tell you what they need to tell you so that you can go in whatever direction they want you to go. They'll direct you according, because people was, you got to see the, see, you, I mean, I'm sure you, you'll go, have seen the shit people are posting. You know, and freaking out. And I I got one friend. He freaks out about everything. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh, dude, relax. Just do what you got to do. Don't be dirty. Don't be nasty. I'm about to get on my motorcycle and just go right now, you know, right around for a little bit. But anyway. Anyway. Let's start reading, man. So we're going to talk about Richard Trenton today. He's uh the um, Sacramento vampire. Pretty scary shit. And uh, he's a pretty crazy. I was going to do some other ones. I kind of picked this one just because of the vampire thing, you know. Um, and it's just pretty crazy, man. Uh, next week, I'm definitely going to do some kind of alien conspiracy or some shit. Unless I find something throughout the week that catches my eye to my fancy or whatever you want to call it. So anyway, let's start reading. Now, this is this was written by Joe Turner, and I'm getting my information uh, most of the information I read, uh, I verified in other sources, but 
I use my Murder Minute app. Download that app. It's amazing. It gives me a new, uh, different uh, serial killer every day. The free version. With the paid version, you get two or three or something like that. You get more. You get, obviously, with the paid version, you get more stuff. I'm I'm going to the paid version because I use it so much. As I might as well go to the paid version. But I, I'm not sponsored by them. I'm just telling you what I like. Uh, I get a lot of information from them. When, when they send me an alert about, oh, this, check this one out and... They send me information about a certain case or whatever. Then I go and I probably I do some other research, watch videos on if there are any, if any. There's some I've never heard of. They got the usual Ted Bundy's and the whatever. But they've got some that are just like, whoa. So anyway, this one was written by Joe Turner on the Murder Minute app. So the case of Richard Trenton Chase is a story which, which even the most depraved horror writer would struggle to create. Over the course of four weeks, spanning across 1977-1978, Richard Chase took the lives of six innocent victims in Sacramento, California. His murders gradually progressed in violence, beginning with drive-by shootings and culminating in acts of cannibalism, necrophilia, and extreme, extreme shit. But it would not be the murders themselves which cemented Richard Chase as a real-life boogeyman. Instead, it would be Richard Chase's eccentricities and bizarre beliefs which he would be remembered for he harbored a strange obsession with blood claiming that his own was gradually turning to powder as a result of a nazi poisoning scheme he often claimed that his heart had stopped beating he believed that the bones in his skull were gradually changing shape he accused his own mother of repeatedly attempting to poison him he once injected rabbit's blood directly into his veins. So this guy did the drive-by, had sex with the bodies, and then ate them. This guy was not wasting anything. Talk about recycling. Not, not trying to be funny. but Richard Chase wasn't of stable mind. He suffered from psychosis, schizophrenia, and extreme paranoia. And over time, this manifested as brutal acts against anyone unlucky enough to find themselves in the wrong place. At the wrong time. Born on May 23rd, 1950 in Santa Clara, California, Richard Chase was thrust headfirst into a life of misery. From a young age, Richard was physically abused by his father. As I always say, there is usually, I'm going to say 95% of the cases that anyone, if, if you're a, a true crime investigator type person or you listen to podcasts or whatever, you're into true crime. If you do back if you go back to that person's childhood go back there is always some kind of sexually traumatic experience and it's usually not only just physical abuse as far as hitting you know like oh he beat me all the time with a belt it's usually something sexual when a person is developing sexually you know a child it is a very crucial moment in that human beings um existence where he's developing from a young a young person to an adult or whatever the case may be. even if they're younger they, they you know they're, they're going through stages if you disrupt that there i believe there is i'm not a psychiatrist i'm not a doctor but i believe there is there i mean it's <laughs> we've seen it a chem some kind of chemical imbalance that happens some kind of disruption of that natural order of development where um, something manifests from that, and that turns into what we see, for example, here. 
His parents would violently argue with Richard being the unlucky recipient of his father's rage once his mother fled the house. By his teenage years, he had developed a dependency on drugs and alcohol. From this point, his serial killer tendencies quickly developed. Richard began torturing and mutilating small animals, normally how it starts, including cats he found around his neighborhood. By age 12, Richard displayed the three traits which are considered the blueprint for fledging serial killers. Bedwetting, animal cruelty, and arson. So, I want you to, everybody listen to that. You got those three traits? Be very careful. Struggling with severe mental issues and unable to forge any kind of life for himself, Richard's situation only worsened when he became an adult. Alone in his apartment, he would eat animals raw. Sometimes he liquefied their internal organs and drank the residue. By his early 20s, Richard believed that his heart was shrinking and consuming animal entrails would somehow keep him alive. How do these people not get sick? Like, I, I got sick over a two-day-old chicken. In 1975, Richard injected himself with rabbit's blood, resulting in a severe case of blood poisoning. Oh, never mind. He got sick. Following this incident, he was admitted to a mental institution. However, Richard escaped in 1976, but was apprehended again and sent to a hospital for the criminally insane. It was here where Richard's vampiric tendencies were fully exposed. He regularly discussed his blood-drinking fantasies with other inmates, eventually earning himself the nickname Dracula. Officially released in late 1976, who decided it was a great idea to release this guy, but anyway... After being declared no longer a threat to society, Jesus, I, oh my God, Richard immediately returned to his previous life. He caught neighborhood pets, drank their blood, and one time even called a neighbor to inform him of the horrific things he'd done to his dog. Richard Chase's delusions grew further, which now combined with murderous impulses to create a highly volatile, dangerous monster. However, his blood fantasies would soon escalate to something else entirely. It would be on December 29, 1977, that Richard Chase committed his first murder. Ambrose Griffin, a 51-year-old gentleman, dropped dead outside his Sacramento home. Richard Chase had driven by and fired a 22 caliber pistol randomly in Ambrose's direction. There was no rhyme or reason to Ambrose's murder. He wasn't targeted for any reason. Now tell me that is not the scariest thought in the world, that you just stand there for no reason. For no reason at all, somebody would just kill you. Ambrose Griffin simply found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Casings were discovered near the Griffin home. However, nothing pointed to a suspect. Richard continued to wander the streets of Sacramento by night. On January 11, 1978, he approached the door of a woman named Jean Layton. He simply walked up to her patio and pulled the handle. Finding it locked, however, Richard then tried the windows instead, also locked. But perhaps the most unnerving part of, of all this was that Jean Layton watched the whole thing. She saw a disheveled, long-haired man arrive at her door, then move to her windows, then back to her door. It was here that she met Richard Chase face-to-face -face through the glass partition, but Richard gave nothing away. He stared into Jane's eyes, lit a cigarette, then walked away, later claiming that locked doors means you aren't welcome. The same night, Richard did find an open door. The home belonged to Robert and Barbara Richards. Uh, I'm sorry, Edwards. 
when they pulled into the driveway of the grocery shop and a man exited their home by their rear window. From those shadows, Richard Chase ran past them, cradling handfuls of valuables he had stolen from their home. Robert Edwards followed Richard as far as he could, but Richard leaped over a fence and disappeared into the night. When detectives inspected the Richard, the Edwards household, they discovered that Richard had not only taken valuables, but had also urinated in a drawer and defecated on their son's bed. While Richard escaped, the night still wasn't over. Something, something equally strange happened next. Nancy Holden, a young woman, had been shopping that evening in a nearby center. As she was leaving one of the stores, an unkept, unkempt man approached who she believed to be homeless. The man walked up to her and asked, Were you on the motorcycle when Kurt was killed? Nancy was stunned. Ten years before, she had indeed dated someone named Kurt, who died in a motorcycle accident. However, she had no idea who the strange man was. It wasn't until Richard said, It's me, Rick Chase, that Nancy realized who she was talking to. He looked nothing like she remembered. Richard was an old-school friend of Nancy's. But it was clear that Richard had struggled through a difficult life. He was clearly nervous, craving a drug hit, and his clothes were ridden with stains. Nancy made her excuses, but Richard followed her to her car. He begged her for a lift. However, Nancy quickly made her escape. It would be on January 23rd, 1978, that Richard Chase found his next unlocked door. Inside the home of 2360 Tioga Way was a woman named Teresa Whalen. Three months pregnant and home alone. Oh boy, here we go. Richard entered the residence of Teresa well, as Teresa was taking out her garbage. When she returned, Richard Blitz attacked her with the same twenty-two he'd used to kill his previous victims. One bullet entered her palm, and the second through the peak of her skull. She fell to the floor, dying instantly. Along with her corpse, Richard could now act out his disturbing fantasies without fear of interruption. And he did. Richard pulled Teresa's corpse to her bedroom, then repeatedly raped her. He mutilated her with a butcher's knife, stabbing her in the lungs, liver, stomach, and breast. He removed her left nipple, tore her pancreas, took out her kidneys, and left her intestines hanging outside of her body. He then collected her blood in a yogurt pot. He drank it and smeared some over his face. But before he left her, dis her dissected body for her husband to find, Richard stuffed Teresa's mouth with dog feces he found outside. On January 27, 1978, Richard Chase reached peak rampage. It would be the night Richard Chase elevated himself from serial killer to mass murderer. He broke into the home of Evelyn Miroth, a 38-year-old woman. Evelyn was babysitting her 22-month-old nephew, David Ferreira. And in the home was Evelyn's six-year-old son, Jason, and a neighbor named Don Meredith. Four people were home. None would come out alive. Richard walked into the hallway and shot Dan execution style in the head with his twenty-two. Hearing the blast, six-year-old Jason fled upstairs, where Richard followed him, eventually shooting him twice in the same manner. On the way, Richard also shot 22-month-old David in the head. That's this guy. Only Evelyn was left alive. Richard found her in the bathtub clearly terrified by the multiple gunshots. Uh, wow. There, Richard shot Evelyn once. He then took her dead body to her bedroom where he sexually violated her. Richard covered her body with knives he found in the kitchen. He stabbed her vagina, anus, exposed her intestines, 
attempted to remove an eyeball and slash the back of her head. I'm sorry, of her neck. Once fully carved up, Richard drank her blood. This guy is was on some other on some other stuff. But he didn't stop there. Seizing the corpse of 22-month-old David, Richard cracked open the boy's... Oh, my God. This guy... Who said he was sane enough to get... No, listen. The, the, I don't know. They need to... I don't know, man. I mean, it's a, I guess it's a little bit better now. We're not, just not re releasing nut jobs. But... Man. Oh, my goodness. He... He cracked the boy's skull open and ate parts of his brain. He took the infant's body home with him, castrating him and using his genitals as a straw to siphon blood from his body. He then disposed of his body in a box near a church. Oh, the news of the murders reached the mainstream press. Police and FBI appealed for information, and unfortunately for Richard, one person immediately suspected him, Nancy Holden, Richard's school friend who he approached a few weeks earlier. In police reports, it was mentioned that a strange man was seen near Teresa Whalen's home wearing an orange parka. And it was the same clothing Richard wore the day he spoke to Nancy. Authorities checked out Richard Chase and found he matched the profile almost perfectly. The FBI visited Richard at his home with the intention of bringing him into custody. However, Richard wouldn't go quickly. He refused to open the door to them, so FBI officers pretended to leave the scene. In reality... They hid out, out of sight and waited for Richard to come out. When he did, he was carrying a small box. The officers immediately apprehended him. Inside the box were piles of bloodstained clothes. They also discovered Don Meredith's wallet in Richard's pocket. While this was evidence enough to send him to trial, what they found in Richard Chase's apartment cemented his guilt. His walls and floors were caked with dried bloodstains, as were his utensils and kitchen equipment. Animal remains and internal organs were found in the fridge, alongside several human organs belonging to Teresa Whalen, Evelyn Merrith, and the young boy David. Richard Chase's game was over. After a short trial, Richard was found guilty of six counts of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to die in the gas chamber. Unfortunately, Richard Chase never quite made it that far. On December 26, 1980, he was discovered dead in the prison cell after overdosing on antidepressants that is i that is i don't know i feel like i feel like that's not enough i'm sorry i'm sorry that's not enough knock on wood um this was really bad that was really bad i think you know you know in a case like this man and just me being a dad a husband and all that you know it doesn't you don't have to be a dad and anybody you know, somebody does this to somebody, you know, somebody you love. That's enough to turn you into a monster. Because I was getting angry reading this, especially the especially the part with the child. You know what I mean? Heck, the part where he just shit in the child's bed bothered me. I mean, you're gonna... Oh, my goodness. If, imagine... God forbid this happens to anyone, but somebody takes everything from you. You got nothing else. You're like, you know what? I'm going after this dude. I'm going to get him really bad. You know what I mean? And you, <laughs> Jesus, man. 
This is bad, folks. So it's a, you know, again, this goes back to the mental mental health thing. Um, we gotta thank God that that one friend who was his friend got away, um, because or well, I don't know if she was his friend, but who knew him got away because this is crazy. You know what I mean? Um, and she was able to identify him right away. Say, look, man, this guy, he's nuts. I saw him, blah, 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 this, that, and the third. Because, I mean, man, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. But thank God he's out, that he's out of life. <laughs> but you got to remember, every time one leaves, there's another one that takes his place. It just is what it is. We just got to be able to more, uh, we've got to be more vigilant out there. When we see something, you know, say something, man. This could prevent a lot of heartache, headache, and a lot of aches. But anyway, that's all I got for you today, man. I'm riding, I'm riding the bike today, man. Stay clean, disinfect your hands so you don't get no, you don't get infected with corona, no shit like that. And, of course, don't forget to like, subscribe, follow me on social media. And I will see you all on the next Smoke. <laughs>